we are in the middle of a beautiful series about the the names of uh, this beautiful Christ child out of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And so I want to kind of continue that thought, briefly share with you some, I think, some life-changing um, ways to look at this beautiful everlasting father that you have. And so if you would just kind of reset your mind and say, okay, we're going to be here for about another 20 minutes. And I, I, I promise I'm not going to belabor anything. I'll stay engaged with you if you stay engaged with me and we will be out of here shortly. But I just feel so um, personally attracted to this topic because of the need I feel for us to not equate our heavenly father with perhaps the earthly father that you've experienced here on earth, whatever that looks like for you. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So in the Old Testament... The term God the Father or Heavenly Father was only used 15 times. And you know how big the Old Testament is, right? It's two-thirds of the Bible, only 15 times. In the New Testament, the term Heavenly Father or God our Father was used 256 times. There's such a huge difference between the Old Testament view of God the Father and the New Testament view of God the Father. And you say, well, what was the big difference? Jesus. Right? Yet Jesus Christ dying on the cross, reconnecting that relationship, and starting something for the entire world that we get to enjoy, and that is this everlasting Father and this relationship that we get to enjoy with God that was previously unavailable. Because As I said earlier in the service, our sinful condition and God's holiness just didn't mix. And something had to be done about that. Now, I don't know what your father was like. I've got some great stories of my dad. I've got some not so great stories of my dad. And I think all of us have, like on a scale of one to ten, right, a good or poor opinion of our father. I know some people whose dads ought to be in jail. I know some people whose dads were absolutely fantastic. And all of us, somewhere on that scale, have an image of what fatherhood looks like. Perhaps your image of what fatherhood looks like is a, is a father who was never satisfied. It's like we spend our entire life trying to make them happy and trying to, trying to get an attaboy or a hug or a pat on the back or just some type of commendation that they are proud of who we have become. And we never hear it. Because no matter what you do or how hard you try, you never feel like you've done enough to, to, to garner their approval. Never get that nod. Never get a half hug even, never and I'm proud of you. And that hurts because it's like then it translates into every area of our life where we're like trying to overachieve, right, to make up for the fact that we don't feel like they were satisfied with who we are or who we have become. Maybe your 
experience of an earthly father was an earthly father who was always angry, just never, to, never able to control their emotions, always walking on eggshells. You never knew what reaction you were going to get, so you just were, you know, hands off and tried to avoid them. You never, I mean, that's a very real thing for a lot of people. Maybe your image of an earthly father was somebody who was seldom present. And we could go on just with stories, but just never there. And if they were there, they really weren't there. Like they were disconnected parents, right? That's a very real thing, disconnected parenting. That even if they were in the same room, you never felt like you had any connection with them. Men who are disconnected from their families, who may be good at working a job or Maybe good at running the finances, but they're not good at relationships. And so they just felt actually, can you imagine this? They actually feel uncomfortable around their loved ones. Yeah, I can imagine that. I've heard too many stories not to believe it. And so when we, when we look at these very real, sometimes negative and hurtful Images of an earthly father. Can I encourage you to remember something? That even man at his best is still a man at best. And that's not an excuse. That's not, that's not trying to give them more rope. It's, it, it, that's just the way that it is. And even as, as, as hard as I have tried to be a good dad, there are many moments where I have had to apologize to my girls. And I try to love them well. And I try and, I try and be there for them and be a part of their lives and to, and to be affectionate with them and let them know how much I love them. But I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I put doubt in their mind and they question things sometimes because I'm just, because even the very best that I can do is not enough. So I'm not trying to like give excuses for dads who are sorry at what they're supposed to be good at. I'm just saying that we're human and we're still just men. And what my concern is, when you see an image, when, when, you, when you hear a description of Jesus Christ, of everlasting Father, because of your own earthly experiences, you, you use that and you, and you paint then in your mind, because of your negative experiences with your earthly Father, you think that that's what your everlasting Father is like. And nothing could be further from the truth. We don't have time today, but please make a note this afternoon or maybe tomorrow morning when you just have some alone time, read through Psalm 103 and just read that as describing your everlasting Father. It's just a beautiful psalm about how he sees us. May I encourage you to put aside whatever preconceived notions you have of fatherhood. And allow Scripture to paint for you a beautiful picture of what our everlasting Father is really like. And many of us have felt like our entire life was an attempt to perform for our fathers. So that they would just be happy with who we've become. And it just isn't there. But if there's one thing that I want you to get this morning... 
I want you to know that Jesus, your everlasting Father, (laughs) He's not angry with you. He loves you. He has a future filled with hope for you. He is satisfied with you. He cares about you. And if that's all that you get out of this morning's message, then that was enough. So let's put aside perhaps our experiences that have affected how we view fatherhood and imagine for a moment what a perfect, loving father would actually look like. So if our earthly father was never satisfied, our heavenly father, our everlasting father is completely satisfied. Now that's powerful. Not just a little bit okay with who you are and wink, wink, I'm going to let you give. No, he's completely satisfied with who you are. Nothing you have done made him love you anymore and nothing that you are going to do and nothing you are going to accomplish is going to make him love you any more than he does right now. Check out 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. Here in his love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Man, that sounds like a big word, like maybe one of those words that your mama would have washed your mouth out with soap or saying when you were a kid, right? But that word is a huge word. So how is it that God looks at us and is completely satisfied? Because Jesus Christ was the propitiation for our sins. God's holiness could not blend or mix with our sinfulness. And so we sent Jesus Christ. And that word propitiation means two things. It like, it like has a twofold meaning. The first thing is that it removes the offense. So whatever it is that you've done wrong, it's gone. It's been taken care of. He has paid the penalty for your sin. And the second thing it does is it restores the relationship. He not only removed the offense, but he restored the relationship. That's why God can look at you as your everlasting father and be completely satisfied with who you are. I'm human. And as much as I love my girls, I still think, well, we could tweak that. Right? It's just how, it's just, that's not... God is just completely satisfied with you. Now, he wants better for you, and he's still working on us, but it doesn't change his opinion of you. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, that's Jesus, and you are complete in him. What a huge word. Complete in him. That means to render perfect, lacking nothing. And there's nothing less than nothing. So you don't lack anything in your relationship with God. So unlike our earthly fathers who are never satisfied, our everlasting father is completely satisfied. And unlike earthly fathers who are always angry, our heavenly father or our everlasting father is incredibly compassionate. Incredibly compassionate. One of the verses I want to pull out of Psalm 103 that I really encourage you to read is verse 8. It says, the Lord is merciful and gracious. Check this out. Slow to anger. Slow to anger. There's two Hebrew words there that make up that phrase, slow to anger. And the idea is that his nostrils don't flare out. Really, that's what the Hebrew means there. So God doesn't go like that. God doesn't have that reaction. 
like you do. Right? Something happens, your first makes you angry, your nose flares out. God doesn't do that. God's first reaction is not anger. He is slow to anger. Isn't that a beautiful thing? It's like he has control over himself. He's God. He just, all right, all right. I've I've mellowed, I feel like, as I've gotten older. Has that happened to you? Like you just kind of mellow. Some of you haven't. Like, you know, you ever go to a nursing home? They're really, really, they're either really sweet or really mean. It's just like it just exempt, it just, it just, um, it, it magnifies whoever they were in life, right? But I feel like I'm, I'm getting more mellow as I get older, and things just don't ruffle my feathers like they used to. Now, I, I do have a couple push buttons, all right? I do have a couple things that just get under my skin, and it happens to be when I'm behind the wheel. That's just my nose flares when I'm behind the wheel, okay? Things come out of my mouth. But I think God, our Heavenly Father, our, our, our Everlasting Father, He just, He's got it. He's not going to overreact. His nostrils won't flare. He's, he is slow to anger. We have a, <laughs> bless her heart, we have this, this dog, Sadie. We got her at the drive-in movie theater, if that tells you anything about her. I think we're probably like her third or fourth owner. I don't know. I don't know. How long have we had her now? Six years, seven years, something like that. She is the, she's such a nice dog. She is like, she's not perfect, right? So she has like this overbite. So like her jaw is kind of pushed back and then her tongue keeps hanging out of that side of her mouth. She's just, but she's a sweet dog. And when we first, when we first got her, you would like, um, bend down to pet her, and she'd crouch away from you. And it was that way for years until I stopped beating her. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I had you right there. And that, but it's like I couldn't help, I couldn't help myself. But she was, but she would like, now, and, and she still does it once in a while. It's like it's in her to fear, like, the reaction of an owner. I mean, it's it just... It's kind of in her, and I don't know what happened and what experience she had in life, but it kind of it kind of made her afraid of that type of movement, like just going down to like pet her. She would just get down as close to the floor as she could. Is that you? Like in your relationship with God, you're just like. If I do anything wrong, he's going to come down on me so hard. That's not God. That's not who he is. He's long-suffering. He is patient. He's, not, he's slow to anger. Now, I'm not saying he's never going to punish us because he loves us. And the Bible says the people that he loves, he will punish. But he's slow to anger. He is incredibly compassionate. And unlike our earthly fathers who are seldom present, <laughs> our heavenly, everlasting Father is always there. Very famous verse here. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's always there. He's always ready. He's always prepared. He's always available. And if you read just a little in front of that verse there, it talks about us being very content. 
And then right after that, it says, because he has said, I will never leave you. So whatever situation we are in life, whether we're troubled, whether we're happy, we've got Jesus. And then it goes on in the very next verse that says that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. It's just a beautiful passage of scripture there in Hebrews 13, because he's always there and he's always ready. And there truly is something about just calling on his name. There, there, it's, it's real, people. It's not something that just happens in church. It's not just a story that somebody else tells and you get to listen to. It's who, it's who he is for us 24-7, 365. You have Jesus. And this everlasting father so much wants to be the type of father that you need and want in your life that he gives this incredible invitation in the book of Matthew chapter 11. And it says, that, look at this invitation from Jesus. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I don't know what you need rest from, but he is it. He's the rest that you need. And by the way, no man alive can ever provide that for you. There is something in your heart and life that can only be satisfied with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's unfair to expect your dad to give that to you. And it's unfair to expect your wife to give that to you. And it's unfair to expect the relationship you have with your husband to be all that you need and to satisfy everything in, in your life. That's, there, there is a part of your life that only your heavenly father can meet and satisfy. And that's the rest that he promises. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Man, we need to have our souls at rest, don't we? So I don't know what your relationship with Jesus Christ is like, and I don't know how how your relationship with God is reflected in the relationship that you have with your dad, but can I just encourage you to just find rest in God through Jesus Christ? And if you are not a follower of Christ and you this is new to you and you're not sure where you are in this relationship, <laughs> you came to the right place. And if you've never entered into that relationship and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, at the end of the service, we're going to have some folks standing up front here, and they're going to be so happy if you came and talk with them and just, and, and just express that to them, and they would be willing to share with you from the Word of God exactly what that looks like. If you do consider yourself a follower of Christ and you are a believer, maybe, maybe even born again, then may I just invite you to take advantage of the relationship that you already have available to you. And that is this everlasting Father who is perfect and can meet the needs that your earthly father never can and never was supposed to. That's our word of prayer. Father, we love you, and we are so privileged to have a perfect dad. And I pray we take advantage of that relationship. And Father, we love you, and we trust you, but help us to take advantage of our relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.